listening to Victory and Labang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Alright, hello Victory family. Uh, greeting you all from our location here in Festival Mall. And uh, we hope that you are encouraged during our time of worship uh, and prayer. My name is Pastor Ariel. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors of this congregation. And we are praying that you are well. We sang that song earlier, It Is Well With My Soul, and that's our declaration really during this time of um, pandemic. Uh, it's been a, an extended time of pandemic. We pray and hope that you are all doing well uh, and good with your, fam- with your families. And if not, we also pray that this message will minister to all of you. Today we are still uh, having our worship services online, though um, we want to be, be careful, maybe a couple more weeks, and then you know just uh, wait for future announcements when we will open up our on-site services, uh, we will, uh, we're definitely looking forward to uh, seeing all of you face-to-face, but with social distancing. Uh, today, we're taking a short detour from our normal series of our messages. As you may be aware, September 2021 is World uh, Suicide Prevention Day, and, um, you know, our, our month. And so, uh, we uh, are... We wanted to uh, preach on something that's quite relevant for all of us. We know that many people, especially during this time of pandemic, are going through and experiencing through a difficult time, um, not only physically, uh, emotionally, but even mentally. Uh, It is said, you know, there's an article that I actually just saw in the internet and uh, talking about how DOH and WHO are promoting holistic mental health wellness in light of the World Suicide Prevention Day. You know, the Philippines has been ranked top five. We're number five in the Global Optimism Index, you know, after Colombia, Indonesia, uh, Ecuador, and Kyrgyzstan. And uh, I, I realized that we Filipinos, we're happy people. You know, the index indicates that we are top five of the happiest people in the world. But yet, on the other hand, we're also experiencing a significant increase in cases of depression. Uh, in fact, the most vulnerable population is from uh, ages 15 to 29, uh, Gen Zs to uh, the millennials. Mental health-related uh, deaths are also the second leading cause of fatalities in this age group. And so these numbers illustrate the need for you know, more meaningful conversation for engagement, especially us in the family, our community, our church. We definitely would like to reach out to those who are going through this. Now, as I preach this, I realize that not everybody are probably going through this Um, having a clinical depression, but everybody is definitely going through something emotionally, pain, grief, loss. We uh, we lost friends, we lost loved ones during this time of pandemic. And so this, uh, you know, hopefully this, we can actually address some stigma about mental health and hopefully educate us on how we can actually move forward and as a community help those who are suffering as well. So this is a challenge uh, in our current times. This is very relevant. Now, those, of, uh, those people who are struggling with mental illness, uh, sometimes we're told that we, are, we, have lack, we lack of faith or maybe we're unspiritual or, or we think that this mental illness is probably our fault. You know, I realized as I was going through this uh, material and I'm, I'm just also relating with people, even our family, Mental illness is a biological disorder and it can affect anyone. In fact, people who are depressed would feel hopeless, alone, afraid. They feel like failures. Now, how many of you are watching can relate with this? You know, some of the feelings that we're going through this, and it may not be actually a clinical one, but you know, just a general feeling of hopelessness, you know, unclear uncertainty in the future. Um, some even go through some suicidal tendencies and depression, and, uh, you know, these things are not just present to us in our current situation, but as I study the Word of God, this also occurred in the past. In fact, even people from the Bible struggled with depression like Job. How many of you are familiar with Job? Job lost everything. He lost his children, lost his business, uh, had uh, physical ailments. He suffered a lot, and he wished to be dead. He had, like, suicidal thoughts as well. Hannah who was a mother of Samuel, who was barren initially, 
would not eat for an extended period of time. Jeremiah wrote an entire whole book called Lamentation describing his feelings of depression. And so this thing that we're going through, there's this uh, uh, emotional state, this mental health problem, is not really something new in our generation, but this has actually been, uh, been there uh, even in the past. You know, mental health problem is a normal response to an abnormal situation that somehow overwhelms our coping mechanism, our coping systems. Now, how many of you would agree with me that this pandemic is an abnormal situation? This is abnormal. We've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. This is an abnormal situation, and it continues to linger for more than a year now, I think 18 months, and people are forecasting it'll make, it may extend until next year. Or so, and many people are having a difficulty, a hard time coping with it. So, if you are, you're not doing well today, or if you feel isolated or disappointed, or maybe you're having some panic attack or anxiety, or even experiencing some sort of depression, especially during this time of pandemic, this COVID 19 pandemic, guess what? You're normal. It's normal to feel what you're feeling. In fact, it's okay. Not to be okay. That's not from the Korean telenovela, okay? It's okay not to be okay during this time of pandemic. It's normal to feel that way because this pandemic is abnormal. And many people are battling the same kind of feeling that you are battling today. In fact, there are not just a few, but a lot of people, millions, in fact, maybe billions of people are going through this around the world. What is not normal is the situation. What is not normal is this COVID-19 pandemic. This is not normal. And I hope and I pray that you will get ministered today by the preaching of God's Word. Now let's look at the story of a prophet in the Old Testament who battled depression and who also had suicidal thoughts. Now if you have your Bibles with you, maybe it's a digital or maybe a physical Bible, I want to encourage you to open it to 1 Kings Chapter 19, verse 1 to 8. And we will read through the story, just a quick story, just a snippet of a story of his life. And then we will backtrack. Just I'm going to just go ahead and maybe just go through some narratives about the story of Elijah, a mighty prophet of God. And so we're going to read from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 to verse 8. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, just like the prophets, by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, verse 3, and he arose and ran from his life for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a, at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. Verse 7, And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. Verse 8, And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your presence in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you are such a good God and you care for your children. And even if we're going through these difficult times, I thank you that there's hope and there's life and there's an extreme great purpose that you have in store for your people today. I pray, God, that you would minister, your Holy Spirit would minister to those who are in need of ministry emotionally, physically, mentally, Lord God. And I thank you for your healing that can come and thank you, Lord God, for your grace upon every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, Elijah was one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. And, uh, you know, it's interesting 
to read the first Kings and even the first part of Second Kings because that's really where his story is found. Uh, his name means my God is Yahweh. In fact, Elijah was one of those that is just so uh, declarative of the, you know, the fact that there's only one God we should worship, Yahweh, Jehovah. He was known to be the prophet of fire, maybe because of the miracle uh, that happened uh, in the mountain when he was uh, you know, going against 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. You know, um, um, the, the, the answer of the Lord is through fire. And also another instance in his life was at the end of his life, there was a chariot of fire that fetched him from the earth into heaven. So this, I guess, where the chariot of fire movie got its, uh, its title. So he was a prophet who did not back down in challenging the bad king, King Ahab, and his evil queen Jezebel against the idolatrous practices uh, of that time. In fact, he, as I said earlier, he challenged 450 prophets of Baal, 400 uh, prophets of Asherah. And uh, in, uh, in that particular moment, he won a definitive victory in the previous chapter, chapter 18 of 1 Kings. He won a victory that day as God answered by fire. And the people realized that the Lord is the one and only true God. But after this major Grand Slam victory by Elijah against the prophet, now he was confronted by a woman, an evil queen. And this woman, her words were very vindictive. And then Elijah encountered fear, depression, and ran away and even had suicidal thoughts. Now, I am not a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist or a, you know, uh, uh, whatever, okay? Uh, but I am a spiritual leader and I am a shepherd. I am a pastor. And I would like to glean from God's Word what He has to say to us today regarding this situation that we are facing. You know, I want to share three observations from Elijah's mental struggle. Number one, I realize as we study the, here in, in, in uh, his story is depression can actually come even to the strong people and even after a great accomplishment. As I said earlier, as one of the most prominent prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah had learned to trust in the power of prayer and in the provision of God. And in fact, he was one of the prophets in the Old Testament who would just boldly declare miracles and miracles will happen. He was not just a prophet who would prophesy the word of the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, but he was one who would actually walk in the miracle power of God. He prayed for provision, provision came. He prayed for rain, rain came. And Elijah represented God before the people when no one dared to confront the evil king. You know, there's no one in the, I, I guess there, in, in his mind, there's no one in the, in the land that was doing this except him. You know, some of the major accomplishments or accolades of Elijah are, aside from the confrontation of Ahab and Jezebel, was he prayed for no rain, and then it did not rain. And then once again, he prayed for rain, and it rained. How many of you would like to have that kind of prayer? You know, it's been raining uh, every day. And uh, of course, we, uh, for me, I welcome the rain, especially during hot season. How many of you that sometimes during the dry season, during El Nino, that we can actually, when, when we need rain, that we can actually just ask the Lord for rain and it can rain? Elijah was a man just like us, the Bible says, and when he prayed for rain, it rained. God listened to his prayer. That was one of his great accomplishments in the Old Testament. In fact, he even raised the son of a widow from dead, from the dead. You know, he was one of those who in the Old Testament has seen a resurrection of a raising of a dead young boy as the widow was asking him to do. Miracle provision in the brook during the time of Elijah, during the time of famine, a time of drought. You know, when the whole of Israel was going through famine, guess what? The Lord provided for him. There was water in the brook and there were ravens feeding him every single day. These black birds were actually bringing him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. How many of you would like to have that grab delivery via raven? You know, he was not 
even concerned about the future because God provided for him. There's miracle multiplication of oil and flour from the widow. He called fire from heaven, defeated the prophets, and then he was taken out by the chariots of heaven. These are some of the major accomplishments of Elijah. Talk about back-to-back miracles and accomplishments. But yet after the victory, Jezebel heard the news, made a promise to kill him, and we read that, we read that in verse 4. Then he prayed. Elijah prayed. I'm reading from the King, New King James Version. He prayed this prayer that he might die. How many of you prayed that prayer? How many of us kind of prayed that prayer because of maybe frustration, fear, uh, disappointment? Uh, we, we somehow want to end our life already. Lord, I pray that I may die. And the declaration of Elijah was, It is enough now, Lord. Take my life. He was not singing a song, Take my life, Lord, it is yours, it is yours. It was not a song of surrender. It was a, a declaration of, Lord, end my life. I am no better than my father's. I want to die. Kill me now, Lord. Elijah prayed to the Lord, and he wanted to end his life. I mean, as I was just looking at this prayer, I thank God for unanswered prayers. I thank God that many times when we pray out of our frustration, out of our fear, out of our uh, anger maybe or emotions, we pray prayers that are not according to God's will. And how many of you are grateful that God has not answered all our prayers? Had God answered the prayer of Elijah during that time, he would already been canceled. He's done. He's dead. But yet, God knows that there is a great future and purpose that's waiting for Elijah. Elijah ran away, wanted to end his life. And this does not make sense. You know, as I was just going through this story, I mean, after defeating 850 mighty prophets in the mountain, now he's running away from a woman. No gender discrimination here. But just the numbers, 850 against one, he's running away and he wanted to die. Just like Elijah, depression can also hit, hit us in our peak or our accomplishments. After a great victory, Elijah suffered a great low. And this sickness can happen to anyone, even the most spiritual among us. Secondly, depression tends to isolate us. And we see that uh, Elijah also had this problem in verse 4. In the first part from the NLT, it says, Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. And he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. You know, not only did he travel alone the whole day, but he decided to choose a solitary broom tree. I mean, talk about being alone. He didn't even go to a group of broom trees. He went to one particular broom tree that's alone. I mean, that's how bad he felt. He wanted to be isolated. He wanted to be alone. In fact, further down the verse, in verse 14, it says that as he was talking to the Lord, he said to the Lord, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altar, put your prophets to death with the sword. And then he made this declaration. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. You know, the tactic and the lie, the enemy, is to isolate us and to tell us that we are alone. And I'm glad that we just sang that song earlier. We're never going to walk alone. You know, I'm glad that we are walking with God. We're walking with the community. But sometimes the enemy would put us at that point where we feel that nobody's with us. I'm isolated, I'm alone, and nobody cares for me. You know, when, the, when we are depressed, when a person is depressed, sometimes, you know, that person tends to feel that no one will understand his situation and that he feels that everybody has turned against him. I mean, that's the nature of depression. There's a feeling of loneliness, a feeling of isolation. You know, I want to share some insights from some of the things I've learned from a mental health seminar that we have gone through. Some of the pastors and campus missionaries have gone through this uh, seminar just a month ago. And we've invited one of our leaders from our Every Nation uh, church in Orlando, Florida, Dr. Marcy Verduin. She's a mental health expert, a psychiatrist, a psychotherapist, 
and at the same time, one of the you know uh, leaders as well in that particular church. So it's an interesting combination because she does not only approach this sickness from the perspective of science and medicine, but she also uh, looks at it from the area of uh, spirituality, from the biblical perspective. And so she has a healthy uh, point of view how we can actually address and deal with this problem. Now, what's interesting was she, uh, you know, somehow differentiated what loneliness as a feeling is and what depression as a sickness is all about. Now, I'd like to show you a graph, and I'd like to just do a quick uh, explanation about this. Now, in this particular graph, you would see that there's a vertical line that somehow describes feelings of happiness going up, and feelings of sadness going down. And there's a, a horizontal line that talks about the time or the period that we experience these different kinds of feeling. Now, you will see that there's a green line that goes across the vertical line time, and it goes up and down. Okay, do you see that? Now, this somehow describes the normal mood of a person every day. How many of you sometimes wake up in the morning and you're so happy, and there are days you have a bad hair day? You feel that you know you're sad. You saw a pimple in your no, in the middle of your nose or whatever, and you're just sad. Or in the, there are days that you are happy, and so that is life. It's normal for us to go through life with these kinds of feeling. Now, going back to the graph, there's another line, the red line, that goes uh, like a more significant and intense change uh, in the dip that goes down and is extended over a period of time. And this is what depression is all about. A person can feel it for days, for weeks, or months, or even years, if super major. Now, Dr. Verduin said, as a precaution, not to use psychiatric terms to describe something that's normal. Like calling a sad event during the day as depression. For example, you feel sad because uh, you failed in your exam. Or maybe you missed a sale from Lazada or you know, you're depressed. Okay? Or maybe you lost your cell phone and you left it in the restaurant. You're depressed. So we need to be careful using those terms because it can be confusing. You know, uh, we cannot just flippantly say, I'm depressed for a feeling of sadness because this can bring confusion when people exaggerate this or pathologize the normal. You know, being sad or lonely from time to time is normal. If you are with your family there, look at them and just tell to them, you're normal. Because we feel sad sometimes. We feel lonely at times. Especially if it's like, you know, raining and gloomy and, you know, classes are canceled. No, the students are actually happy when they go through that, okay? You know, because we need to distinguish that from a real depression. I asked the permission of one of my younger daughters. Now, younger daughters, now you know who they are. Uh, yesterday, and because one of them approached me and Shirley one day, crying and sobbing, and she entered our room and she basically declared these words: "Mom, Dad, I am depressed." And I said, "What do you mean you're depressed?" You know, and she described her situation. You know, I've, she's got this classmate going through the situation. I think there's a problem with the relationship or something like that. And so she's saying, you know, and she's crying, you know, I am depressed. And, you know, I just, you know, Shirley and I just listened to her. And then later on, when she stopped crying, we basically told her, I don't think you have a problem with depression. I just think you're sad and you're lonely because of that. And then later on, she said, Mom, Dad, I think I'm okay now. And then yesterday, I was asking her how she was, or how she is. And she said, you know, now I know the difference between depression. You know, I, I can be depressed feeling depressed, but I am not in depression. And so, you know, we need to be very careful about the terminologies that we use. Although I realize that as we go through this time of pandemic, all of us can have this feeling of sadness, loneliness, especially grief. Those of us who've lost loved ones. And I'm not saying that we should just, you know, uh, minimize or trivialize those feelings but that is to be distinguished from what you call major depression or clinical depression. In fact, uh, Dr. Verduin described what mental health is not. It is not just in your head. It is not a lack of faith. Now, for those of you going through that, it is not a sin or moral failing 
or it is not something that you can just get over. In fact, what she said was mental health is a brain disease. You know, these are like problems that we need to address and there are doctors and there are medicine that can actually address this. There's a community that can actually support this. Results like in, it, it, mental health results in significant changes in the way you perceive or interact with the world. It can be disabling sometimes. You know, you, you don't want to move. You just want to sleep. You just want to stay in your room. You just want to be isolated. But the good news is this. It is treatable. It's curable. And there's hope. For those of you going through this, our prayer is that, that you can actually receive the healing process that God wants to give to you and the people around you wants to help you with. In fact, genuine depression sometimes cannot just be prayed over or advised away. And, you know, many times we just say that, you know, it's, very, it's just spiritual, cast it out, or, you know, just go ahead and uh, go through another victory weekend or something. You know, the, re the reality is we're all human beings. We have limitations. When we're sad or depressed, our capacity to function becomes even less. How many of you have experienced that? When you're sad and lonely, when you're going through some difficult time, you cannot function, you cannot work, you cannot just be normal in your activity. And as a church, as a people of God, as believers, brothers and sisters, we must be sensitive to the needs of the people who are suffering depression. You know, just like heart ailment or like diabetes, depression is also a sickness. It's not just a feeling. So please don't dismiss them and say, just go and read your Bible, pray some more, stay in your room, or you know, as I said earlier, go to Victory Weekend, or worse, accuse them you're in sin, just repent, and that feeling will go away. I mean, we're not helping them if we put these statements. You're just going to push them away farther and even deeper into their hole. And you know, I, I don't mean to be an expert here, but you know, just... As, as I was just going through some materials, just very quickly, there are different types of mental health problems. And I just want to just share four, four things. MDD, you're probably familiar with this, major depressive disorder. It's a feeling of being down or irritable, not enjoying life. You know, you have problems sleeping or appetite. I don't think I have this as a problem because I have no problem sleeping or eating. But anyway, so, you know, or, or you have some suicidal thoughts, maybe active you plan to end your life or passive. You wish to end your life or you wish for someone to end your life, just like Elijah. He's got some passive suicidal thoughts. It's a whole kind of body disease and not just a feeling of sadness. GAD, another kind of disease, is generalized anxiety disorder. You know, we see people who are constant warriors, not warriors, but warriors. They worry a lot. They're always thinking about what-ifs, overthinkers. They always worry. They can't let go of things. They have impaired sleep. They have no energy. They lack concentration. And normally, the suffering is at least six months and over. We hear also another kind of disease called panic disorder. You know, the, the fight or the flight symptoms. You always feel that you are in danger and, you, you know, somebody wants to kill you or, or you have a feeling of losing your mind or you're about to die. These are like panic disorder. And I think another uh, sickness is called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I think many of us have gone through this, especially during this time of pandemic. It's a reaction to a very significant traumatic event, whether death in the family, or near-death experience, maybe a serious injury, or maybe violence against you, whether against you or maybe to another person. And a traumatic event does not automatically trigger PTSD. It depends on the person, how he copes up with the situation. But if you're not careful, and if you don't take care of your mental health, then it can actually get triggered. And so, you know, the list that I have shared is not extensive. You know, I realize that there are different other uh, mental problems like uh, OCD or ADHD and so forth. And so we, we don't have time to talk about that. But the reality is this. These things can be real to people who are going through this. These are not just uh, something that they made up. So we need to be sensitive in reaching out to them. There's another form of depression I found out that's uh, caused by social media. And, you know, this has some supported evidence by a U.S. org. And the term Facebook 
depression has actually been coined to describe the negative impact of social media, uh, you know, because of the great amount of time that we spend in it. And I believe this does not only impact the young people, even regular, you know, adults. Uh, maybe another cause could be cyberbullying, and this has unfortunately caused some suicide cases, even among teens. And so, as I said earlier, depression is a sickness. It needs medical attention, just like heart needing a cardiologist, just like you know, a failed kidney needing a urologist, or maybe cancer needing oncologist. So let's not try to become a doctor if we're not. I am not a doctor, you know, but we can be there to support them and listen to them. Give them the ministry of love and acceptance. Give them the ministry of presence and learn how to emphatically listen to them. Church, let's have compassion and let's practice engage empathetic listening. You know, let's, you know, let's learn to just ask these questions, how are you? And then stop talking. How are you? And don't say anything after that because, you know, what I want you to open is not your mouth anymore but your ears and give full attention to what they're about to say. How are you? Kamusta ka? How are you? I want to ask how you are. You know, those are powerful questions. And if you will just pause and listen, we can actually help another person who's suffering on the other side of the line. You know, while depressed people may want to spend all day in bed, you know, if you, they want to go out, they don't want to go out, they, was, they don't want to sleep, it's okay to spend some time to rest and also recuperate. You know, we see this in the Scripture in verse 5, that even Elijah was encouraged by the Lord to go ahead and sleep. You know, Elijah laid down, slept under the broom, and, you know, God allowed him to go and rest, recuperate, sleep. You know, in... Uh, my, my wife was sharing to me yesterday, in fact, in some Western countries, I think it's in the U.S. or in Canada, people are allowed now not just to call in sick, but to call in sad. Hmm, interesting. Call in sick is normally, you know, when you get a sick leave, right? But now they have terms, you call in sad because you're going through depression. Now, uh, this is only, as they say, applicable during this time of pandemic because of the situation that this thing has brought. And last thought, last observation in Elijah's life is this. Depression can be cured. Depression can be cured. You know, God cares and He's concerned about us. He's concerned about you and me. And the first person who can understand us is sometimes the last person that we go to. God. Just because we reach a point where we feel that God has abandoned us doesn't mean that He has. And Elijah was in the same place. You know, it was not an indicator of a bad faith or an absent God. It was just a tired, fatigued, weary soul needing ministry from God and needing ministry from others. And sometimes we need to hear words not from inside our heads or our hearts. You know, how many of you have words that are self-composed narratives? You know, you're talking to yourself and you're actually just going through line by line because, you know, you're, you have stories from yourself. My encouragement is go ahead and also listen to words from God, not just our self-composed narratives. God cares for us and God loves us. In fact, in verse 5, if you can read that again, verse 5b until verse 7, it's, the behold, uh, behold, the angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stone, frost by TLC siguro to, and a jar of water, and he ate and drank, and guess what he did? Elijah, he went back to sleep. What a life. To eat, to drink, go back to sleep. And God allowed that so that he can recuperate and recover. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came again a second time, touched him, and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. You know, I thank God that God allows us to pause, to rest, to rejuvenate. He allowed Elijah to sleep, then provided for him his physical needs, food, water. I believe God wants to minister to us in all aspects, physically, physically, 
And as he would address a mental battle in the mind of Elijah, I believe that Elijah is slowly getting uh, help. You know, my encouragement for us is this. Get help and get up. Don't stay where you are. Get help and get up. I realize that we're talking about angels and nowadays it's probably, you know, seldom or sometimes not at all that we see normal angels walking in our room or visiting us. But guess what? Angels can be that person beside you, that friend that you have, maybe a call from another person, maybe somebody from church, maybe someone from your victory group, maybe somebody who's been there and has gone through that, that could be an angel sent by God to minister to us and we need to get up and we need to get help. Arise and eat. Don't just stay there sulking, suffering. Arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. In verse 8, Elijah arose, he ate, he drank, and went on in the strength of the food for 40 days and 40 nights. What an energy food that he took. 40 days, 40 nights travel after eating this meal that God gave. He went to Horeb, the mountain of God. And I believe God is telling us not to remain in our state, but to receive help and to arise. To get help, to decide to move forward and not to get stuck. And guess what? For those on the other side, you might be the angel that God wants to use to minister to others, to reach out to them, to pray for them, to provide for them, to, to, to be a listening ear, and to just be there and give them the gift of presence. And I believe that our life is still full of purpose even after a mental battle. You know, there is purpose after depression. There's purpose after all these mental issues that we're going through. And I believe that God wants to continue to use us. Yes, after ministering to us. It's not just about us going and going and going and going. But God allows us to pause and stop and recover and enjoy His presence, enjoy life. You know, when we are low and depressed, God is inviting us to come to the mountain to meet Him. You know, it, it happened in Elijah's life. After 40 days of you know, traveling, 40 days, 40 nights, he finally reached the mountain of the Lord. God wants to speak to each and every one of us. And I believe God wants us to listen to Him because it is not just the usual voice or channel that we are used to hearing, you know. Many times we are looking for God in places wherein, you know, it's extraordinary. As Elijah, in fact, the story goes, as Elijah was standing before Mount Horeb, there came wind and God was not there. There came earthquake and God was not there. There came fire and God was not in those. And this, I believe, is where the earth, wind, and fire came. Today happens to be September. Do you remember? Many times, we look for extraordinary times to find God. But, you know, we have all these preconceived and we put God in a box. In verse 12, after the fire came the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there was a voice that came to him and said, Where are you going? Or what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, Elijah heard a whisper, and that was his God encounter. And God, I believe, sometimes God wants us to be silent so that we can hear Him better. We have been drowned by all the noise around us, and God takes us out you know, sometimes isolation can be a blessing because it can actually be a time of solitude. And God wants to speak. And God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? God wants to reach out to us. God is reaching out to you. He's speaking to you. Can you hear His voice? In fact, the Lord reaffirmed, going back to uh, Elijah, He reaffirmed His purpose as a prophet, told Him to go back because He will anoint Three people in their calling. Hazael, king of Syria. Jehu, king of Israel. And then he will choose his successor, Elisha, who will eventually have the double portion of his anointing. 
Then he assured Elijah that he is not alone as he thought before. In verse 18, God said to Elijah, Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. What he's saying is this, Elijah, you are not alone. Don't feel that you are the only one who's going through this. You know, there are people around you who can help you as well. You know, for those of us who are going through this, God can heal and He can restore. There's life after depression. Once again, I'm not a professional counselor, so I cannot offer clinical help. I'm not an expert in this field, but I would like to empathize with you who are suffering. And as a pastor and a shepherd, I'd like to say this. Try to see yourself as Elijah. Read his words as your words. Then read God's words to him as if it's God's words to you. Now, let's try to bring this home with some practical application. First, we need to take care of our mental health. You know, there are times that mental or brain disorder can just unexpectedly attack a person like stroke or cancer or Alzheimer's. And we cannot control that because, you know, it just comes. But there are also some ways or strategies for us to prevent by taking care of our brain or mental health. Things like prayer can help. Worship. Sabbath rest. Enjoy the Sabbath once a week. God has given that to us as a blessing. Let's put some personal boundaries. Let's have some downtime. You cannot just go ahead and work 80 hours per week. You got to have some downtime. Enjoy life. Enjoy your family. Lessen your stress. Delegate some tasks. You don't have to do everything by yourself. And you know what helped me as well? is an intentional daily gratitude. You know, I have been practicing this for the past, I don't know, three years. I have a personal journal, and I write thing, one thing that I want to thank God for every single day. And I go back to that, and I look how God has been faithful to me through the past weeks, months, and years. And another thing is we need to sleep. Don't neglect the gift of sleep and rest. Get good nutrition as well. Exercise. Go out from time to time, you know, with your mask on. Have time for hobbies. Learn to play new things. And then laugh at life. Laugh with your family. Enjoy life together. Second thing is this. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about your situation. How do we practically bring this home? Let's have a talk. You know, if you're battling mental issues, don't isolate yourself. Get help. Find someone that you can talk to and who can listen to you. And on the other side, for us who can help, let's develop a compassion, compassionate and empathetic listening ear for the people who are opening to us. Let's try to listen without bias or prejudice or judgment. Just listen. Also, don't try to solve their problems. Just listen. The best gift that you can give to them is the gift of your presence. Just be there. Show up and then shut up. Listen. And if you're comfortable talking about it with your family, please do so. They're your first line of defense. And in case you need to seek professional help, also please do so. Mental issues are sickness, just like heart, kidney, as I said earlier, kidney problems, who need doctors. And as a church, if you need to talk to someone from our, you know, from our part, please do let us know how we can stand with you, pray with you, help you. You know, uh, just go ahead and, you know, there, we were creating a new link, victoryalabang.church slash help. Later on, we're going to put that on uh, our social media, you know, victoryalabang.church slash help. And I'd like to go some, you know, uh, share this story as I ask my eldest daughter because my eldest daughter, Bea, has also battled depression, clinical depression, uh, in the past uh, few years. And, uh, you know, this was born about the experience in our family when we lost our son, Jerome. You know, we, me and Shirley somehow have each other and a community, and we were able to process this, but 
we didn't realize that Bea, losing her brother, had a major blow uh, in her. And she was not really able to process it then. And so she had bouts of uh, depressive uh, attacks when she was in college and eventually became a clinical depression in 2018. And, um, you know, as I was asking her yesterday, I asked for permission to share this, and she gave me somehow her quick story and testimony. I'd like to read some of her statement. And, he, and she said this, It happened in 2018. It affected work. I isolated myself for weeks. And I, in my work, my friends, and my parents started to notice. Mom and dad helped me get professional help. In fact, there was one time when Shirley entered Bea's room and Bea was just sleeping the whole day. And Shirley asked this question to Bea. Anak, where does it hurt? And then she just listened to Bea. And you know how Bea responded? She just cried and cried and cried. Both mom and daughter, they just cried. They just were there. And me as a father, I personally helped her find a psychiatrist who can counsel her, help her, move with her, and even prescribe some meds for her sickness. And as Bea continued on with her statement, she said, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and I started therapy and was described I prescribed medication which helped me work again and sleep and go about my day-to-day. A year later, I began to wean off meds. Today, today is 2021. 20, she had problems with this, 2018. Today, I still have bouts with, with it, but the community that I have in my leadership group with Miss Deborah and the women I've grown up with have helped me cope with healthy habits and a mindset of joy and hope. What also helped me in the healing process was the support of my parents in getting better and believing that depression is not just something that can be prayed away, but it's also a physical illness. And I was able to process grief with them as a family. And I'm able to stop the spiral of toxic and negative thoughts because I know I have a choice to take every anxiety and thought captive, trusting that God is in control. Praise God. Today, Bea is having victory in her walk and in her battle against this sickness. She eventually got well. She's now off her meds. And, you know, she's grateful that she was not judged or shunned but instead, she received support from the people that are closest to her. Lastly, you know, and not the least, but the best counsel that we can have is we need Jesus. We need Jesus. You know, give them Christ. Yes, we can go to doctors, we can go to have meds, but ultimately, Christ is all in all. And He can help us. If you are a person suffering depression or having suicidal thoughts or even doing self-harm, you know, you're not alone in feeling this. But I want to say this to you. God cares for you and He loves you. And there are people here who want to help you. And I know that you may probably be tired of hearing about spiritual things as almost like a blue pill that you take for your path to recovery. But hear me out as well, even as we hear you. If we can trust Jesus with our eternal destiny, can we not also trust Him with our physical and mental health problems? Jesus is the Son of God who became incarnate and became human just like you and me. He felt pain. He felt isolation. He had betrayal. He had hunger. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He was perspiring with blood and sweat and tears because of the pressure of the whole world that's about to crush Him because of the sin that was placed by the Heavenly Father upon Him who sent Him to be the Lamb of God who loves us 
in order for the world to be saved. Remember this. Do not summarize your life by what you're going through currently. God has a plan for you. He wants you to get well and He wants you to be well so that you can also minister to others. And as I end, Jesus invites us in Matthew chapter 11. A very familiar text. Maybe many of you memorized this. He said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The rest that Jesus offers is not just like the bodily rest, like sleep, but it's a yoke-sharing rest. And the word yoke that was used in this verse connotes slavery. It connotes servitude. You know, depression is slavery. It's chains that's shackling us. This feeling of hopelessness is slavery. This feeling of anxiety is slavery. This feeling of you know, uncertainty or, you know, or panic disorder is slavery. And God wants us to be freed from this. Yes, there are things that we can do physically to help us. But Jesus is here. You know, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the miracle of Christ. Stop carrying a load that is not designed for you. Because the yoke of Christ is easy. Let Jesus carry that load. It's heavy for you. He is God. He cares. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialabang.church.